Welcome to the new segment of the Unyielded, Thriving No Matter What podcast, Rise and Thrive. I'm your host, Bobby Kaler. I wanted to create a super short segment that would be fuel for you so that you can make the absolute most out of this week that you've been given. Let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome to Rise and Thrive. I'm your host, Bobby Kaler. And also, welcome to the new year. 2022 is now upon us. By the way, if you've been finding value in these Rise and Thrives, I hope that you'll hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another episode. Now, of course, we are at the time of year where everyone starts to think about setting goals. And I want to dedicate a couple of episodes about how to do that so you actually get results from the goals that you set. Because let's face it, We've either experienced it or we know people who have experienced it. They set a goal and three weeks later, they've forgotten the goal and it never happens. And we set the exact same goal next January 1st. So let's not do that this year. So here's the thing. A lot of what we've been taught about setting goals actually sets us up for failure. And I don't want to see that happen to you. So let's dive in. Let's start with the number one reason that goals fail. Neuroscience has shown us the answer to this. And it's that we begin at the wrong place. We begin with what's wrong, what we don't like, how we come up short, and on and on. When we do that, we are setting ourselves up for failure. We should be starting with the vision of what we want to be or who we believe ourselves to be at our very core, even if we are not fully living that yet. It should be a positive, aspirational statement. Now, this comes from the brilliant research and study of Richard Boyatzis, who created the intentional change theory. He started studying this way back in 1969 when he was a PhD candidate at Yale. It is one of the most rigorously tested and proven constructs for how people change in desirable, intentional, and sustainable ways. Now, I was blessed because Richard was one of my professors in grad school, so I got to study this directly with him. Richard calls this positive aspirational vision for ourselves our ideal self, and that's where real change needs to begin. Most people fall into the trap of starting with their real self, and that's our shortcomings, things we want to change, where we don't think we're good enough, those types of things. Now, here's the thing. The real self can also be our strengths, but we often miss that. And not to go into too many of the uh, details of the neuroscience, but that difference between starting with our ideal self and our real self is massive because they activate different parts of the brain. The ideal self pulls us in the direction of our vision. The other essentially pulls us in the opposite direction. And again, I don't want to get too geeky with the neuroscience, but that's the high level of it. So here are a few contrasts between the two to give you an idea. So the ideal self, I am a fit, strong, healthy athlete, and I care for my body, my nutrition, and my health so I can be at my best. That is actually part of my ideal self. Now, now contrast that with a goal that's more driven from the real self. And it could sound something like, I want to lose 20 pounds by July for my class reunion. Now, smart goal advocates would tell you that the second one is more effective and they'd be wrong. Yes, it is a smart goal. But a couple of things come to mind. Number one, think back to how I described the change that comes about by the intentional change theory. 
It is intentional, it is desirable, and it is sustainable, which leads me to the second thing that comes to mind. Using the SMART goal above, what happens after the class reunion? The vast majority of people go right back to eating and behaving the way they did before they lost the weight. In other words, the change doesn't stick. So if you want to make real and lasting change, stick with starting with the ideal self. By the way, in case you're curious, where did that portion of my ideal self, as I described it above, come from? Well, number one, I've always been an athlete, so being an athlete has always been part of my ideal self. And prior to 2014, it was simply, I am an athlete. Second point. But one day, back in 2014, while sitting on a plane bound for Fresno, California for a client engagement, my ideal self and my real self collided painfully. And that's a good thing because that is what drives action. So how did they collide? Well, I was sitting on the plane and I became aware of how uncomfortably tight my pants had gotten. And they were a recently purchased pair of size 12 pants. And I had to get those because my size 10 pants were now way too tight, too tight to zip, let alone button. I had slowly edged my way up on the scale to around 168 pounds. Well, it wasn't around, it was 168 pounds. Now, most of us have been there and that's no judgment. And that was just the reality. I was traveling a lot and not making very good choices with my food. Now, another part of my reality on that plane was that while my pants were digging into my skin, I was shoving yet another handful of Cheez-Its into my mouth. I happen to really love Cheez-Its. But here I was freaking out about the fact that my pants were too tight and I was covered in Cheez-It dust. Covered in it. It was everywhere. And in that moment, I thought, oh my goodness, I can no longer call myself an athlete if this is how I care for my body. I opened up my journal that I always carried with me while I was traveling, and I updated that part of my ideal self to this. I am a fit, strong, healthy athlete, and I care for my body, my nutrition, and my health so I can be at my best. You'll probably notice that there's absolutely no mention of of losing weight. Losing weight wasn't the goal. The goal is being an athlete who cares for her body so that she can perform at her best. I even remember thinking at the time that I wrote that, that I didn't care at all if I lost weight, but I was going to start caring for my body and fueling my body intentionally. What's happened since then? Well, I'm a few weeks shy of 56, and I can honestly say that I'm in the best condition of my life. I am stronger. I have more endurance. I have way more energy than I've ever had before. This past summer, I was able to cycle faster than I've ever done in the past. And by that, I mean that I have gone beyond what I thought was even possible for myself. When I started cycling back in 2010, I was terrible. And I'm not being critical, but that's just where I was. I struggled to hit 10 miles an hour. And now I am in the Rockies, so that's not, you know, awful, but that's where I was. And at that point, forget about even climbing mountain passes on the bike. That, that wasn't even on the table. I, I wasn't even thinking it was a possibility. After a few years, I finally hit 12 miles per hour. And and I thought that was probably the best that I could do. And I stayed in that 12 to 13 mile per hour range for years. And this summer, I broke the 15 miles per hour range, which always seemed insurmountable. And I did that in July. But then by the end of the season, I broke, barely, but I still broke it, 
I broke the 17 mile per hour barrier, the speed. And again, this is at about 9,000 feet and it isn't flat. And I live in the Rockies, so that's pretty darn good. And, I, and I'm not saying this to brag. I mean, I'm, I'm extremely excited about it. But I say this to show the, the, the power of the ideal self. It is so a part of who I am that it guides my choices and my decisions. Do I ever want a bag of chips? Of course, I love chips. And sometimes I'll have them, but only as a treat. The vast majority of time, I look at them and I think, is this really fueling my body in the way that I want to fuel it? And that answer is no. So I don't buy the chips. Now, for those of you who are wondering about the weight loss angle, because maybe you want to lose weight and, and you want to know if this works for that too. Yes, I have lost weight. To date, I've lost more than 45 pounds since that day on the airplane in 2014. And I have never once dieted. I have changed the way that I eat so that I'm fueling my body as an athlete so that I can be at my best. And not just for this year, not for an, you know, a, a special event, but for my life. I want to be a vibrant athlete for my entire life. I want to be that person out there cross-country skiing as I turn 100. In fact, that will be my birthday celebration that year. Speaking of that, I once met a woman on a plane. She was in her mid-70s, and she was in great shape. And we got to talking, and we both love cross-country skiing. And I asked her how she got started. And she laughed, and she said that when she was in her 50s, she was horribly out of shape, and just going to the grocery store was a workout. Then she had her first grandchild, and she realized that she wanted to be the type of a grandmother who could play outdoors with her grandkids and do fun things with them. That's what got her started. Now, that example shows us two things. Number one, it's never too late to start. And number two, that is the power of the ideal self. Probably without realizing it, she tapped into an important aspect of her ideal self, a grandmother who could be active and have adventures with her grandkids. I'm not going to go into all the aspects of the intentional change theory in this episode. Um, I spent a couple years studying it in grad school, so I can't possibly cover it in 10 minutes. But here are a few steps that you can use immediately. Number one, spend some time articulating your ideal self. Again, it is that positive aspirational statement of both who you are and who you want to become. And this can take some time. So be patient. You might want to think of all of the areas of your life that are important to you. And also think about how you want to be in all of those areas. Number two, after that, and only after you are done with the ideal self, do an honest assessment of your real self in those areas. How do you match up? What are your strengths? Where are you already meeting that vision? Where do you have some work to do? And number three, now that you have an understanding of where you might have some gaps, what do you need to learn to close those gaps? How will you learn it? How will you put that into play? How will you experiment with it? Again, this is a super high level and there's a lot more to it, but these three steps will get you started in a very powerful, a very powerful way. If anyone is interested in learning more, let me know. Send me an email at bobby at unyielded.net and I can share some research with you. Or if enough people are interested, I can do more on this topic. I also highly recommend the book, Helping People Change by Richard Boyatzis, Melvin Smith, and Alan Van Osten. I highly encourage you to get busy articulating your ideal self. You will be amazed at what happens when you do. 
And next week, I'll dive into some activities that will help you with creating your ideal self. So that wraps up this episode. Thanks so much for listening as always. And if you're getting any value from these, please consider leaving us a positive review on Apple as it greatly helps us move up in the search engine. And as always, as you go about your week, make sure that you rise and thrive.